you pray with me uh, for a moment? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your scriptures. We pray now, Holy Spirit, come and open these scriptures to us. Holy Spirit, come now and open our hearts and open our minds that we might know you. Lord, come and speak through my words and to us, your people, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the effects that many of us are experiencing during this strange time is an increased feeling of vulnerability. I mean, think about it. If I had asked you just a few months ago, you know, in in the BP era, before pandemic era, if I had asked you, you know, is your life feeling fairly stable, probably most of you would have answered in the affirmative. I, I know I would have. My life was pretty stable. I mean, there were, there were certainly hassles, and there were even some crises from time to time, but for the most part, life was reasonably predictable. But that's all changed now. We are in a very different world. That is simply not the case today. In a very short period of time, the world has been literally shut down by something we cannot see. Our economy, the world economy, has been destabilized. People legitimately fear for their health. And psychologically, well, many of us are on the edge. Maybe you're feeling like you're on the edge. I suspect you certainly know what I mean, day to day, some days pretty good, other days, well, irritability, maybe some anger, you might be feeling some anxiety, even the verge of panic. Some of us experience depression at this time or kind of an increased mania to produce just this, this vast array of psychological expression that's going on. I see it in myself, I see it in the people around me, and I bet you do too. Now, what's happened is that our collective denial has been broken. The fact is we are coming to terms with the fact that our world is more fragile than we had previously thought. And our lives, we're discovering, can change faster than we had ever imagined. The things we took for granted, well, we can't take those things for granted anymore. And that leads to an experience of vulnerability. In that gospel lesson I read to you just a moment ago in Luke chapter 7, we meet a woman whose life has become totally vulnerable. We set up the context just a little bit. She lived in a town called Nain. It was a small town, a know-nothing kind of place, probably just a few hundred people. It was about 25 miles from Capernaum where Jesus's ministry home base was, about six miles from Nazareth, which was his hometown. So it was in the sphere of his, his territory of ministry. And, well, Jesus and his disciples and a great crowd are on their way down the road, and they're heading to Nain. And, of course, at the same time, there's a funeral procession heading out of the town, and they're about to meet. And that's where we actually learn about this vulnerable woman Verse 12 says, As Jesus drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. 
and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So you've got these two crowds coming together, headed by these two different people, Jesus on the one side and the woman on the other. She's already a widow, which means she's walked through vulnerability once in life. She's experienced the pain of loss, of of life being destabilized. Death has visited her once before, at least once before. She's experienced the kind of sorrow that, well, that happens in the midst of a marriage when it ends in death. And now, of course, her only son has also died. I think you have to allow yourself to sit for a moment to to not rush beyond the text, but to allow the sorrow that Luke is trying to help us to see, the loss, the grief, the feeling of complete overwhelmedness, total vulnerability, which is happening within her. We've got to allow that to invade our own hearts to perhaps bring up those places where we feel that ourselves. Remember, there are no safety nets in that culture. There's no social security, no IRAs, no portfolios. You either had your family or you had nothing, and she's got nothing, just emptiness and fear. And it says those two crowds headed by those two people converge at the gate of the town. Now, the gate was the way in and out of the town. It was also the place where business was conducted, law was conducted, but, but you need to see what's really happening. Think about what a gate is. It's a point of entry. There are times in which God seeks a point of entry into our lives, a gate through which he might enter, an entry point. There are often vulnerable times, times in which we're destabilized, moments where we recognize our need, our inability to control life, that we're not really the captain of our own ship, we're not really the masters of our own fate, times in which our hearts are broken, our plans perhaps have not been realized. I believe this pandemic and the vulnerability that it has created is a kind of gate through which Jesus seeks to enter into our lives to meet us perhaps for the first time or perhaps in some new way. So there's the woman. She's in her sorrow. I suspect her tears, or I don't know, perhaps she's just numb at this point. We get to one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Verse 13 says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. The Lord saw her. A couple of months ago, again in the BP era, I was leaving the office. Catherine and I were leaving one day from here at our Sullivan's Island campus, and we were in the car, and we hadn't left yet. We were on the Middle Street side, if you know the campus, and we're just sitting in the car there on the road, and she was doing something, and I hadn't started the car yet, and I just happened to look over, and there was a man who was absolutely power-walking his way. He was He was dressed to the nines, even though he was in his exercise gear. He was on his Bluetooth, and he was definitely at work because of the way that he was just going at it. I've seen enough of that. Sometimes I've looked that way myself a little bit to know a work voice and a work walk 
when it's going on. And, and normally that would not have really, it wouldn't have even phased me, except that trailing behind him about 10 yards was his daughter. And she was probably, I don't know, six or seven, and she was on her scooter. And he was getting further and further away from her, and she was trying to keep up, and they had passed us and passed the little playground, and I was just captivated by the image when suddenly she hit the curb, the little curb sitting up, and she went right over the handlebars and fell down. She didn't do major damage to herself, but it stunned her, and her father never even noticed. He just kept going. He didn't see her. And he absolutely missed his daughter's heart along the way. I I was about to get out of the car. I was so captivated by what had occurred in front of me. Because one of the most important things in any child's life is to be seen, to be known. Little girls need to know a father's love, a father's care, a father's protection and provision. And here this busy man probably wildly successful, was just blowing on down the road. And I just had a flash, almost like in my mind, of what her life could look like. And, it, you know, it made me pray is what it did. And I saw two possibilities. One of her, desperate for his affection, going through life, not receiving it, and then eventually giving herself to the first guy that came along and told her that he loved her. Or her just getting hard and prickly and defensive, becoming perhaps very efficient, but never allowing anybody to get in too close, never letting anybody get in through the vulnerability she's really feeling. It it was all a flash. It made me pray. And it was clear to me she was kind of used to this dynamic that was going on because she picked herself up and she began to try to catch up to him along the way and he'd already passed the road It's a sad thing when a child is used to not being seen. I want to tell you this. Jesus saw that woman, and Jesus sees you today. Right where you are in the midst of your vulnerability, the Lord sees you. The text tells us not only did he see her, but he had compassion upon her. It's one of my favorite words In the New Testament, it's a word consistently used for Jesus across the Gospels. In fact, it may be the most consistent description of him in the Gospels. Compassion. It's a Greek word that I love because the word is splunknizomai. I'm a word geek, so that's fun to say. It's hard to spell, and it's a very robust word. It's, It's much more robust than English knows to translate it. I'm so grateful for author Brennan Manning in his book, The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. He, he helped me to really see this word. Henry Nowen writes on it as well. Splunnidzumai generally is translated, he had compassion, he was moved with pity, he felt sorry, his heart went out. But it is a much more powerful word than our English conveys. The word has as its root a Greek word which means the intestines. And it conveys the idea that the inmost part of him has been affected. The way that the Greeks understood the inward parts is the place from which our deepest emotions come. Things like anger and love and even jealousy. It's a passionate word. It's a strong word. It means 
When he saw her, his heart was torn, his gut wrenched, he was moved. And related to that Hebrew word, or that Greek word is a Hebrew word, rachamim. Again, another fun word to say. It's a word for womb. Think about a womb. It's a place of safety. It's a place of nurture and nourishment and development. But when it's time to bring forth life, the womb moves in power. It moves in power. So when Jesus has compassion, it means that he is deeply and profoundly moved in the deepest part of his being, and he responds, and he brings life, provision, what we need. We need to understand, though, this is not just Jesus the man. This is Jesus the Lord of heaven and earth who is moved with compassion, the very heart of God responds because he sees and he sees a need. Friends, this is, this is good news. <laughs> Please hear me. He sees you when you are vulnerable, in your sorrow, in your sin, in your brokenness, your mistakes, your shortcomings. He sees you And he's moved with compassion to act on your behalf. His response of compassion, well, it's not disgust. His response is pity, not disappointment. His response is not aloofness. His response is compassion for you. He wants to bring forth life. He wants to bring forth change in places that you can't change and in circumstances that are too big for you to handle. This is good news. His response to the woman is, you don't need to cry. (laughs) Not because he's against tears. It's just that now that he's entered in, well, remember he said that laughter would come for those who mourn, that tears would be replaced. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Verse 14 tells us, Then he came up, and he touched the bier, and the pallbearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. With a word, he speaks, and it is. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. What greater gift could there be? Jesus is not only the Lord of life, he is also the Lord of resurrection. He is the Lord over death. There is nothing too big for Jesus. As we celebrated Easter just a few weeks ago, he is victorious. He is victorious. On the cross, he took upon himself all the sorrow all the shortcomings, all the betrayals and violations, all the sickness, the disease, the sin, death itself. He took upon himself all of our vulnerabilities and he took them with him to the tomb. But then he was raised victorious. He is Lord, the invulnerable one, but he still has the same heart of compassion that remains unchanged. And that's his heart for you and his heart for me. Hallelujah. Verse 16 says, fear seized them all. 
and they glorified God. Yeah, you think? The dead guy sits up, and it is appropriate to be startled. And that's what happens when your paradigms are getting broken apart. And they said, a great prophet has arisen among us. That's the biggest concept that they had. Uh, they, they had in their collective understanding the, 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 the Old Testament prophets of Elijah and Elisha who had prayed to God and raised the dead. However, they had never seen somebody speak a word and raise the dead. And so they speak prophetically. I suspect they had no idea they were doing it. They said, God has visited his people, and that is for sure what was happening. They were right. The invisible and the almighty has shown us what he looks like, who he is, what his heart truly is toward us and for us. Let me conclude with this. Recently read an account of a father and his son, um, It was the first time that they were alone together. The boy's mother was in the hospital. It wasn't a COVID thing. She was in for a surgery and had to stay over. And and that night, following story time, uh, following bedtime prayers, um, the father sat in the rocking chair there in his young son's room. He turned out the light, of course. And um, after just a few minutes, the little boy said, Daddy, are you there? And his father said, yes. And the little boy said, Daddy, are you looking at me? To which his father said, yes, I am. And at that point, the little boy went straight to sleep. He's looking at you. And his heart is for you. Even in the most impossible, hopeless situations, he is a God of resurrection He is a God who revives us. He brings life and movement and change and power. Impossibilities are made possible with Jesus. Sorrow gives way to serenity. God's peace and God's presence replace panic, and his victory transforms our vulnerability into a living faith. Trust him. Invite him in. Ask him to meet you in the midst of your life, in the midst of your family, in the midst of your finances. And I want to encourage you, take a risk and share your burden with someone else. One of your brothers or sisters in Christ, a member of your life group, one of the pastors, somebody you trust. And you might just discover that God moves on your behalf as he moves through the people around you. This is good news, friends. We serve a good God, and he's crazy in love with us. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, meet us in our need, in our vulnerability, in our concerns. And Lord, let this time be a gate through which you walk into our lives in new ways. Remove shame and fear. Enter into vulnerability and speak your truth. Give us hope. And let us then, Lord, be those who go all about telling the good news of the God who sees and acts. And he does so in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen.